Hey guys, welcome to the Divine Knowing Podcast. Thanks for listening in again. This is part two of a conversation I had with my friend, Father Michael, in the last video. So if you missed it, definitely check that out. Uh, Michael is such a dear friend to me. I really believe that the Lord brought us together and it's really one of my friendships that I treasure so much. And uh, it's a true honor to have him on the show. The last one was just so rich. I really felt like he released the invitation of the Lord into the hearts of people. And uh, I know that people listening, they felt uh, the pull to be with the Lord more. So I'm excited to see what this conversation brings. Once again, Michael, thank you so much for, for being on the show. It is an honor. Yeah. Always nice to, our conversations are very much filled with the Holy Spirit. So just to invite other people into that is uh, a pleasure. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, So for this part two show, Michael and I, we wanted to speak about Jesus as the bridegroom and recognizing God as the husband of your soul. And this is an aspect of the Lord's nature that I feel like I've been growing in just even within the last year. And it has been such a a life-changing, eye-opening process to be in, to know the Lord as bridegroom, to know the Lord as husband, to know my own identity as the bride of Christ, as an individual, but also knowing the corporate body of Christ as the bride. Uh, it's really important. And as, I, as I've as i been digging into the scripture, I've come to find that the theme of the bridegroom, the theme of God being wed to his people is all throughout the scriptures. And it is I think really, really important in our walk with the Lord to, to know that we are the bride and to live out that identity. And, um, the the implications of that are, are really beautiful and important for us to go to make the transition from like servants, which we always are like, we never lose our identity as servants, but God really wants people to love him. He wants lovers. He wants, um, that kind of covenant connection with his people where we're not just doing things for God, but we're, we're doing things out of love. And then the, the servanthood, um, all the other identities that we have in Christ, I, I believe they become so much easier when it's from a place of love and knowing his divine love for you and just how deep that is. And I could, I could keep going, but I would love to hear what Michael has to say. We had a phone call about this topic. It actually came up really organically. And we just like, man, the presence of Jesus was so thick in my room when we were talking about the Lord in this way. And I was thinking, man, we should have just recorded the phone call because it was, it was so, uh, so amazing. So I'm excited that we get to revisit the topic now and uh, share it with some people. So um, Michael, what is in, in your opinion and experience, what is the importance of knowing the Lord as bridegroom? And how does that affect the life of a believer? And also, you know, there might be some people that may um, have never really thought of the Lord in that way or know what it means. So I would love for you to just share your heart on that topic, um, because I know you have some really beautiful things to say. Yeah, yeah, I kind of wish we would just recorded the last conversation as well. But um, so uh, God is infinite. Uh, we are not, and he, he is so big and it's so easy for us to, to limit him. 
um, in so many ways. Uh, God gives us, he reveals himself uh, in different ways. And it's important for us to, I mean, believe what he reveals about himself. Um, but because he's so, his love is so big that one image doesn't work for him, um, isn't, isn't enough alone. So yeah, it's, it's for us to be balanced. We need all those images. So, I mean, God is his father and you know, there's, there's God, the father. Um, but just to, just to only believe in God as father is, is lacking because God has not only revealed himself as, as father, you know, I mean, the spirit is, is the love of God. I mean, that's more of a general sort of image, but uh, Jesus specifically as, I mean, well, yeah, just the whole trinity, but um, God is a shepherd. Uh, God is healer. Jesus as brother, especially uh, Jesus as friends, you know, God is our creator. So we, we want to use all these, we want to believe all these ways that God has revealed us and something's lacking if we're, if we don't have all those. So to believe in God as creator and father, but to not believe um, God revealing himself to us as friend through Jesus, there's something lacking there that yes, like God is so much greater than us, but he's come down to our level. And like, he, he truly is our friend. He's truly our brother. There can be, there can be issue of just, of just thinking of God as, as, as friend and not realizing his, his majesty and his power and how, how great he is. So there's, there's so many of these images we have for God that we want to uh, use. And, and basically like the image of God as the husband of his people, God as spouse is, is one of those images. And it's actually uh, a really uh, important image and much more important than I, than I realized. So if you're not familiar with this topic, then yeah, maybe, maybe it's not as apparent, but once, once you sort of like hear about it, like you can't help, but notice it a lot in scripture. So yeah, it's, it's, it's important because God does love you as a friend, he loves you as a child. And like, there's something captured in those images. It's huge, but yeah, to, to know that we as a church, uh, we as, you as an individual is like, are the, our spouse of God, that there's, there's something in that love that's, that's powerful. So any, any love we see in like our, the human world is, is always, always a, just a, a shadow and a glimpse of like what exists in God. So even like the best of friendships, it's only a, a shadow of like the friendship we can have in, in Jesus, uh, even like a good parent child relationship. It's just, it's just a shadow. So, um, you know, so many movies, so many songs are not out, not often about friendships. They're not about, um, being a child. They're not about being a parent, although some are so, so much of, of literature and movies, again, music is like of romantic love of, of, a, of a spousal type of love. And yeah, maybe some rap songs aren't the most profound thing. Um, but overall there's like this, this human, like our, our delights in our, yeah, like we just sense the importance and the depth of sort of spousal uh, romantic love. So it's not just like, okay, God's, God's our father, you know, Jesus is our friend and like, that's good. And then we just kind of have like these like, you know, human marriages and spousal relationships and they're kind of cool, but that's like nothing to do with God. It's like, no, 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 no. Anything that's good is, is, is from God. Anything that's beautiful is, again, it's just a shadow of what uh, we see in God. So um yeah there's 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 something different to yes it's good to know that you're a child of god that you're a friend but like god delights in you as a spouse there's just something that's 
uh, so powerful in that. And I'm going to just say this one thing and I'll let you just kind of hop in here. I've, I have more I can say, but um, yeah, just to give you an opportunity. So like, I'm, I'm a priest. I'm uh, not married now. Yeah. But not always been a priest, uh, even just like a living experience of um, romantic relationships. There's something really amazing to know that someone delights in you in that sort of way. Like uh, to have a person tell us or to have hear someone say like, yeah, this person really, really likes you or they're, they're crazy about you. It's like, as a human person, it's like, wow. Like, so, so the fact it's, it's a delight to know that we are delight to another person. So the same happens with God. Like we should know that we are a delight for God. So yeah, God doesn't just care about, care about you as like a little creature, or just like a, Oh, you're a cute little kid. Come here. You know I mean? that That's true that there's, there's so much goodness there, but you give him delight. You go to a wedding, you see a, a husband, like see his bride walk down the aisle and he's like, just full of like, whatever emotion, uh, joy, delight that again, that's just a, a, just a shadow of, of God's delight in us. And it just seems too good to be true. You know, it just seems too good to be true that I as a limited person could give God delight in that way. So I have much more I could say, but I just want to let you kind of hop in there. That's so good. It's so true. I, as you were speaking about how everything in life, uh, anything good and beautiful and, and earthly loves, how, they're all a, a shadow or a um, small representation of God's relationship with us. It reminded me of something, which I told you about on the call a couple, maybe a month ago, I had this encounter with the Lord and he was showing me a few things. And I saw this, this, uh, I had this vision um, picture in my spirit, whatever you want to call it, where I saw, um, Previous to that, I had had this moment with God where I felt like Jesus put a ring on my finger. And so I've just kind of lived with this awareness like, oh, yeah, I'm married to Jesus. Yeah. So in, in this picture that I saw during this, this encounter with God during a worship service, I saw the wedding ring that my husband eventually puts on my finger when I get married. I saw that ring meld into the ring that Jesus put on my finger and they became one ring. And I, I heard the Lord say, you know, even who you marry, it's only going to, uh, it's going to be unto a deeper relationship with me, which I just think is, is beautiful. And that, that is my desire and, and who I want to marry. But it, it just reiterated for me that God is our ultimate love. And yeah. uh, Jesus paid the ultimate price to have us. Uh, like what, what kind of extravagance comes from a God that doesn't need anything, but wants to have us. And he voluntarily laid his life down, left, left all of the, the majesty of heaven, left everything there and came to live as a human, to take on our brokenness and then to die our death just so he could have us, not just so we can go to heaven someday or whatever. Like he wants to know us in this life. It was all out of love. It was an act of love. It was unto love. He's looking for lovers. I've heard it said, I love this phrase, that there's a voluntary loneliness within the Trinity where they yeah. don't need anything. It's They are self-sufficient, but they, they choose to make themselves vulnerable to us. It's beyond human understanding. Like how could a perfect God want and love an imperfect being but that's the reality of it and um it's just i feel like any true at least for me in my own life 
I've come into the greatest amount of growth and intimacy with the Lord out of the revelation that I am loved by God and realizing I have to receive that love first, that I can't work it up, that in my own efforts, I can't love God in the way that he needs to be loved unless I first receive his love and then give it back because he's the source. Um, But he is so willing to lavish his love on us if we open ourselves up to it. So uh, along those lines, Michael, I would love to hear just your own process of how, like maybe some key moments in your life where the Lord has spoken to you about that aspect of himself. Or um, I remember on one of our phone calls where you talked about getting a small taste of God's delight in you and his love. I would love for you to touch on that a little bit. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Do you want to get into the scripture about this now? Or you want to get into the scripture about it later? Whatever you, whatever you feel led to do. Sure. Well, yeah, just, uh, I guess my own just sort of discovery of, of yeah, God is uh, bridegroom or God is our, 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 as our spouse was, I think the book was just called Jesus, the bridegroom. Um, and I'll, I'll try not to like just say all of them, but like, it's just crazy how much the spousal imagery colors everything. And you're just talking about Jesus, like, you know, giving himself up for us, you know, on the cross and stuff. And sometimes that can be, um, it's like, oh, it's like, you can think like, wow, like that was really painful. And like, that was really courageous of him and Jesus is like this soldier who laid down his life for us it's like yes but actually the way saint uh, the way it's talked about in Ephesians 5 saint paul talks saint paul talks about the sacrifice of Jesus as the act of a, a spouse giving himself up like giving up his life for his bride so it kind of colors that sacrifice again it's not just like wow hardcore guy just got really bloody but you no know, this is the act of a, a lay down lover uh, and even like the, I don't know if you've kind of come across this, but just like the spousal imagery also present in the crucifixion of, you know, at the at creation, you know, it's, it talks about Adam being put, Adam putting, being put into a deep sleep and he was created from his rib was created from his side. And so I know at least in Catholic circles, we talk about Jesus was like the new, I mean, he's the new Adam. And then on the cross, he's put into this deep sleep, his death and the bride is is born from his side like it's of his from his heart from his from his flesh and like that's what that bride is is created from his side like the church is created from like the blood that the flowed from the side so that's a really beautiful one i'll just maybe list a couple more not to get too bogged down even just like the the, the bookends of scripture so it's like the very beginning it's about adam and eve it's about a married couple and even really god's covenant with humanity like covenant is a very marital type of you know, it's not a contract. It's like a exchange of persons and marriage is a covenant as well. So that's the beginning. And what's the, what's the end in revelation? It's, it's the wedding supper of the lamb. And there's all these other parables about uh, the virgins waiting for the bride, the bridegroom coming and, and to, to await his, his coming. And Jesus tells a parable about this King who wanted to throw this wedding banquet for his son. And they're sending out people to the to the streets and they're inviting people to this wedding banquet. And there's this, so many images of heaven is, is the wedding of the lamb. It's the marriage of, of God and humanity. And, and the church is described as his, his bride and how she's made, you know, pure and spotless. Um, many other things, you know, Jesus first, I mean, the first thing in John is the, the, the wedding at Cana. Normally the bridegroom would be responsible for providing the wine. That's why, when Jesus su- supplies the wine, they actually go to the bridegroom and say, hey, you've waited to serve the good wine until now because the, the bridegroom provides the wine. So, so many other uh, passages I could talk about. 
I don't know if I want to get into them all, but there's just like so many, so many beautiful things. You know, John the Baptist refers to uh, Jesus as the bridegroom. Jesus himself refers to himself as the bridegroom. There's just so many things. So yeah, that's really how I got into it. So that's kind of a, a longer explanation, but I had to geek out. And we can talk about some of those things if you want, but um, I want at least to get that out there. I don't even talk about Song of Songs, um, which honestly is loaded with, I mean, it's all about spousal imagery. It's not just like, hey, guys and girls, here's ways you can sort of talk to your loved ones to woo them. It's like, no, there's something deeper happening. Anyway, so that's the sort of scriptural basis of it, my discovery of that, um, just in my, my own experience. Yeah, combined with the scripture, my own experience, um, just reflecting of like, kind of what I was saying earlier, that there's something so powerful about human love. Uh, this, I don't know if you're like familiar with the Greek terms of Eros and agape and all that, but um, Eros is this passionate romantic love. Yeah, that's that's something so good and valuable. Like that has to be present with God, basically. And like it, from the several scripture passages, it's apparent that it is the case. So even on retreat, I was praying with Song of Songs, um, which if you not read is just very beautiful spousal imagery. But yeah, even just for, I just glimpsed it, even just for a, a, a small moment in time, but just a sense of God delights in me like a spouse. He has a spouse of delight. And here's here's like how I would summarize that that sort of grace, like that little moment of tasting that delight, which I mean, I think I tasted delight very profoundly. And then I think I still was resting in that delight at other points. It just wasn't as powerful. But anyways, it wasn't like God was just saying like, objectively labelingly it's like oh you know god's a really nice guy he's gonna say oh you know you're you're good or you're a delight but the sense of i actually gave him delight it wasn't him like externally labeling this to me it's like i was truly like in that poverty like the trinity is like this i don't remember the term used of like this well, what was the term used for the trinity like the low um, lone- voluntary loneliness voluntary loneliness that like god has done that and he truly, he truly received something from me, even though I've received everything from him. Like I truly received something from him. And just like the f- famous story of like the frog prince, you know, there's just a little old ugly frog gets kissed and turns into a prince. Right. And like, that's what Jesus has done with humanity. He's taken ordinary human creatures and he's, he's making them capable of participating in, in divine love. And there's a sense we become divine, not in the same way God is, but by participation, I mean, we receive his Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, like God, God has made us sort of capable of love. And that's really what, what this life is. It's not just like, hey, spend this time on earth. It's going to be kind of hard and difficult sometimes, but, you know, eventually it's going to be over and you're going to be in heaven. And everything's going to be okay. But it's like, you know, God is preparing his bride. He's training her how to be loved. We're learning how to be a bride to, to get ready for. I mean, Jesus says like, Hey, um, this parable, you got to have a wedding garment. Okay. Like you got to be ready for the wedding. So, um, that's like so much of what this life is. So, um, there's a, yeah, there's one scripture passage I want to say, and I'll let you hop in here, but, um, I don't even actually, I don't even remember what book it's in or the chapter. I think it's Isaiah, but it's, uh, maybe it's, just, I, I don't remember. Um, but it's, it's God talking about Israel, but he's using this very like spousal language you know, you were naked and I clothed you and like I came by and like you were starting to develop, but you like, you weren't quite ready for love. Um, yeah, there's, we're just in that process of like being ready for that spouse love. So a lot of stuff. I'd let you hop in there. 
Amazing. I wonder, I can't remember the exact verse, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's Hosea or something like that. It's, it sounds similar to something I read in Hosea, but uh, wow. <laughs> My mind's all over the place, but I, I feel like just reflecting on things that you've said, but I love when you said that he's preparing his bride by teaching us how to be loved. And I think that's so, so important. And I would love to know um, from your perspective, not to generalize, but I think it's easier for me as a woman sometimes to, to relate yeah. to the fact that, oh, I'm the bride of Christ. That's, that's easier. Um, just in my experience, sometimes with, with men, it could be maybe harder to see themselves with that identity or like, like what, how does that even work? Or um, like coming, coming to a place of actually receiving love as, as a man in that way, I think you do yeah. that so well. And one thing I really admire about you is like, whether we're sending voice memos or on, on the phone, I can tell that, you know, that you're loved. Mm. And I think that's so awesome. So there's also women who, who like maybe don't know how to receive that love or wouldn't know what it would practically look like. Okay. I'm, I'm the bride, but how do, what will that look like in my life? Or how do I start uh, opening myself up to receive this love that I need to receive? So that way it just becomes an effortless identity within me. I'd love your perspective on that. Yeah. Uh, the first thing is being rooted in, in the scripture. So um, to, to really pray with these scripture passages is to come into like a real encounter. It's not just like, it's not just simply learning about a subject, um, but there's a real encounter. Uh, I know that's a, like the, that's the truth of like, no, like I'm, I'm a member of his church. Like I'm his bride. I'm God's spouse, whatever it is. Like this is what's revealed in scripture. And I, I, I claim that in faith. Also, uh, a huge thing for receiving our identity in Christ, huge, huge thing that cannot be, um, cannot underest uh, underestimate um, is so much of receiving in this life. So much of receiving this life is really has to do with rejecting. So if, if, if you're going to like receive your identity as a beloved daughter, if I'm going to receive my identity as a beloved son, it's rejecting these false identities of the world as saying, like, I have to earn love or my, my weaknesses define me, or I have to be good enough. I have to have it totally together to be this uh, child of God, or I, yeah, I have to, I have to make myself valuable. I have to be beautiful. I have to own a lot. I have to be talented. I have to be successful. Um, so, so much of just receiving that identity as a child of God is like, no, like what the world says about what the world says gives me value is not what God says gives me value. So it's, a, it's this constant battle of rejection. So yeah, rejecting false identities would also help with like receiving our identities as a spouse of God that like that, that temptation of like, this is too good to be true. Reject that. Or I'm not good enough. Um, I'm too broken and perfect. I don't love God enough. I don't have enough faith. I just, I just don't have it together enough to, to really be a worthy spouse of god um and just even even our own like that in our own our own worth maybe just like in and human relationships of if if we've not always received that delight um and unconditional love which we haven't because people can't offer us perfect unconditional love that we just have a hard time believing in it so yeah rejecting false identities and having the faith to claim what's revealed so good that's awesome I mean, that's, that's everything. Yeah. Cause if we're going to receive what, what God says about us, 
that if we're going to receive something, it means also letting go of something else, letting go of what we've believed our, our whole life and stepping into that new identity that's that's so available. And as you were talking, it reminded me of uh, Song of Songs. A couple months ago, I went through this these few weeks where I just was mostly in Song of Songs, just reading. Uh, it's really interesting if you read the whole book at once, because then you get to really see the progression and the story. And you see this, this bride that is, is still working things out, is kind of um, complacent or maybe unsure about like where she oh. stands. And then you see the bridegroom affirming her saying, this is who you are. You're beautiful. You're, you're my, you're my love. I delight in you, you know, just one turning of your eye and I'm undone. It's like the bridegroom is constantly pursuing and constantly affirming who she is. And then by the end, you really see the bride like stepping in and owning who she is and knowing like I am loved and this is who my bridegroom is. So uh, just even, even if it takes time for listeners, because I even know for me, it's taken time to really let like just keep meditating on what God thinks about you because the more you do that uh the more that voice will be amplified in your life and the lies will just start to go away like we talked about in the last podcast uh relationship with truth is so important and whatever we choose to focus on uh, that's what gets amplified in our life and ultimately the truth will set us free if that's what we hone in on like i encourage you to like write down anytime in scripture that you see the Lord calling his people something, you can take that for, for yourself. Like I am chosen. I am loved. Take the scripture for you yourself and hold on to that and let it, uh, let it soak into a place that you actually become it. And um, another thing just to add to what you said, if I'm thinking through, okay, like practically what does me knowing that the Lord is my husband, how is that going to play out in, in my life? Because the Lord is, he's, he is very practical. And he actually, um, if he's a person that we're in relationship with, that actually means that there's going to be ways that it's evident in our lives. So for example, uh, within the last year, when I've started the study on the Lord as husband, I went to books like uh, Ruth, for example, and Boaz and Ruth are pictures of the Lord and his bride. And then Naomi could even be, cons- I've heard Naomi could be considered the Holy Spirit in the way that Naomi prepares Ruth to meet Boaz. But uh, Boaz is the guardian redeemer of Ruth. So just thinking through like, wow, Jesus has redeemed me. And out of that place, um, earlier in the book of Ruth, Naomi tells Ruth, you need to find a husband so that way you can find a place to rest. And I was thinking, wow, when Jesus is our husband, truly in our experience, he becomes the resting place of our hearts. And, uh, you know, Hebrews talks all about entering the rest of God. So one practical way that I, I can tell like, okay, am I actually living in that place of God is my husband is what level of rest am I experiencing on the inside? And even if I'm not super experiencing it yet, I know it's available because if God is my husband, that means my heart can be at rest. And if he's my husband, I know that he'll protect me. He'll provide for me. He'll love me unconditionally and love me into a place of, um, I've heard it said, the husband is to love the wife into loveliness. So the Lord will love me into loveliness to the place where Holy Spirit's fruit will begin to manifest in my life. So it's, 
it's really an important shift for us to have, like Michael's been talking about, to really know him as husband and as bridegroom, because we'll start to see the fruit of it in our lives. So I encourage you, if you look into the scriptures about the Lord as bridegroom, or even look into uh, like all the ones that Michael shared, which were so good, I encourage you to read it from a place of, okay, what is what does this mean for me, Jesus? So if, if this is who you are, what is this going to mean for me? And what's it going to mean for our relationship? Because he's so good and he will show you. So Michael, I don't know if you have anything you'd like to add at this point or. Yeah, I think um, like what is, I just to answer the question, like what does it look like to have, like how do I know I'm in this spousal love? So like I love the thing on rest certainly, but I mean, I think the the most characteristic trait of, Spousal love is intimacy. Friendship is a good form of love. Parental, um, to be a, a child, you know, uh, is is some level of intimacy. But there's like a definitely a closeness, and yeah, there's there's a closeness and spousal love and intimacy uh, and spousal love. So even apart from specific passages on spousal love, which are again, please uh, pray with them. But uh, just to know like that intimate presence of God, the intimate love that God has for you, like that's something that's uh, spousal. So um, that, that, that closeness of God is, is, is very spousal. Um, I kind of have one like kind of image I wanted to share just on this topic. Um, I, I don't know if all Christians agree on this. I think they do that like marriage is for this life and we're, we're not married in heaven. I mean, Jesus talks about that. Um, when the Sadducees are like, hey, well, what are all these people married to the same person? Like, who are they going to be married to in heaven? It's like, obviously, you know, God fulfills our desires beyond our wildest dreams. So if someone had a beautiful marriage on earth, like, it's not like, oh, there's just this person I was married to for 50 years on earth. They're just like, just another stranger, just another, you know, stranger in heaven. It's like, no, no, no. Like, God, he, he knows what he's doing. But that being said, you know, with it's kind of it's kind of remarkable because in my own human limitedness, limitedness i would just say like yeah marriages would just be forever and eternity as well but it's it's kind of mysterious that it ends in heaven because we're all married to god um and i th- i think it's like just to go back to like yeah letting god love us into to loveliness um and i think maybe the hardest thing to believe about the spousal love of god is like not feeling worthy and it's like okay God proved his love for us. That he died for us while we were still sinners. We know that verse. Combine that with Ephesians 5 that's saying that this act of sacrifice on the cross is a spousal thing. So Jesus died for you like a precious bride while you were still sinner. Before anyone, um, before redemption was complete, like he still loved you like bride. So how much more so that we have the Holy Spirit um, and all that. So letting God just, his love is what makes us worthy. Um, yeah, it really, yeah, the unworthiness too just still comes from that trap of self-justification of like thinking I have to make myself worthy. Like I make myself lovely and beautiful enough. And then, because that's how it works in normal life. But like, no, it's, it's, it's his love that makes you beautiful. So the image I wanted to share was this, that, um, yeah, like this, going back to this image of like this life, just training us or being trained for love. It's like, um, I think it's kind of cool when fathers kind of have like, when when a girl is younger like there's kind of like this glimpse of glimpses of romance between like a father and his daughter so there's like 
daddy daughter dates. There's a daddy daughter dance, you know, um, you know, this is kind of like cute little things. And now sometimes the girls like the, the queen or the little princess, there's something, um, you know, innocent, but kind of, yeah, just like that kind of like, basically what, what's happening is that like the, the father is training her how to be a bride. He's, he's training her what it, mean, what it means to receive love in that way. Um, and to even think so, but then like, so then like he's preparing her for her husband. Uh, and, and even to think of, it doesn't stop there though, because then when people get married, when a, when a, a woman marries, when that daughter marries a man later on, when she marries her husband, um, yeah, when she marries her husband, like even that's definitely beautiful, a, a gift from God, uh, God doing so much to that. But even that's like the husband, he's trained his his bride on earth how to be a bride for um, for her for her spouse in, in heaven. So it's just like this passing on. So um, I don't know, it just, it just kind of warms my heart to think about that. Um, this life is like a training ground for her love. It puts, puts everything in it, colors everything in a different light. You know, um, there's definitely battles, there's tribulations, but it's, yeah, it's just all about getting that wedding garment on and getting to the celebration. <laughs> so I hope that wasn't too off topic. But oh, I, oh, no, that's amazing. Sure. Wow. Um, I love that you touched on this, this thing within us that makes us feel like we need to make ourselves presentable before we can come to the Lord. When the thing is, is we can only be presentable and pure and holy if we come to him. And I really feel like that's the voice of shame, which, you know, the tactics of the enemy are not new. It's from been from the Garden of Eden, uh, where Adam and Eve felt like they had to separate themselves from the Lord. So just to encourage listeners, like if you're feeling like, uh, oh, I'm not worthy to, to come to the Lord or I have too much going on. Uh, coming to Jesus is actually the answer. And when we come into the light, uh, that's where uh, our lives actually become changed. And God isn't waiting for you to get yourself together before you come to him. It's in coming to him that his love can make you whole and his love can heal you. And he loves you now. He's not withholding his love until you um, make yourself presentable. He, he is full on loving you now and um, is waiting with open arms to just to embrace you and to uh, tell you who you are, who you really, really are. So I'm glad that you, you touched on that. And also the intimacy piece, intimacy with the Lord is the treasure of life. It's why we live is to know him. So yeah, it's one way to know, like, are you living in, in, um, in bridal love with the Lord? It's like, well, are you spending time with him. Cause I know like the, the more I fall in love with Jesus, the more I want to spend time with him. And the more, um, cause if you think about it, if you're in a relationship in an earthly human relationship, if you love someone, you want to spend time with them and you'll make space to spend time with them. And it's, you enjoy being with them. So, and the cool thing about, we touched on this in the first podcast together, but that, um, once you, you've gotten a taste of the presence of God, the more that you, the more that you'll want. So it's just start small, uh, make space for him and he, he will meet you. And the more you do it, the more uh, you'll want to spend time with him. And soon it will just 
it'll just be second nature to you. It'll be your identity from that place. And um, yeah, Jesus is just beautiful. He, he, <laughs> he is so worth it. And his love is the most powerful thing in the universe, the most transformative, the most fulfilling. It's the ultimate treasure above anything on this earth, above any human love. As great as those are, as much as I'm thankful for those, it's all unto and all of shadow of the love that God has for us and the intimate connection that's available in him. This is sad, but we are almost out of time for this segment. So I don't know if there is there any last piece of encouragement you'd like to give somebody just in regards to um, how to go deeper in intimacy with the Lord, like what that would practically look like, like prayer or reading the word. And then I would love if you could just end with prayer. I'd love your blessing. And yeah. Yeah. Um, it would be just normal prayer advice, um, you know, just praying the scripture, a journaling of what what has your attention, um, especially with these spousal passages and just coming to faith. And yeah, and just, and just making it a priority um, in your life. Because again, not pray because you're supposed to, or that's what good Christians do. Um, but begin, because God is as your spouse, yeah, to live from that place of God delights me and he's uh, crazy about me. Um, it's a different perspective of like, well, I should probably pray again because that's what I'm supposed to do. But it's like, I'm spending time with the one that I love and that delights me. Um, that gives me joy and I, I give them joy. Like prayer just takes on a whole perspective. Like uh, a couple that's truly in love is not going to treat a date night like an obligation. It's like, oh, they're they're longing for it. They're ready for it. They love having alone time together. So um, yeah, I mean, I could say a lot about <laughs> that intimacy, but I mean, it would just be making, making prayer a priority. Um, just walking in faith of, of God's delight for you, of his presence. Um, yeah. So good. Thank you. Could you close us in prayer? Sure. Jesus, I ask you to give everyone listening to this podcast uh, a greater aware of your spousal love for us. And Jesus, help us to know that we are not, uh, not just your servants and even not even just your children, although we, we are your beloved children, uh, that we are also your spouse. You've created us for this uh, deep intimacy. You know, you don't want to just to simply hang out with us, Jesus, but you long for us, uh, that, that you, you long for our presence, that you long for our attention, that you long for our love. Jesus, I ask you to give everyone uh, listening a greater aware, awareness of your delight. And Jesus, to cast any lies of unworthiness or shame or just unbelief, the unbelief that it's, it's too good to be true, that, that you could love us uh, in that way, uh, to, to, to cast out the lies that this is only for some you know, special people in this who are just like particularly close to you. But Jesus, help us just to receive your delight freely, that you died for us while we were still sinners, that you died for your bride while we were still sinners. Just help us to believe that it's not too good to be true. That we just have to simply believe. And really, Jesus, what you ask of us is just to say thank you. Uh, that we don't have to, to, to make ourselves worthy or beautiful or, or figure things out. But yeah, just to simply just to thank you for this love and just to accept it as true. Um, yeah, that we don't have to make it happen, Jesus. So Jesus, I ask you to... to 
to bless each person just with your intimate love uh, and just to, to, to really convince them that you love us. Yeah, to convince us that you love us uh, in that way. So Jesus, open our mind to the scripture passages uh, that speak of this uh, spousal delight, but also help us to, to be your friend and to be your brothers and sisters and to, to be your children, um, but yeah, but also um, to be your beloved bride uh, in the church. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Michael. Such an honor to have you on the show again. Thank you all for listening. Bless you guys. We'll see you again soon.